You're listening to an audio resource from Vineyard Church of the Rockies in Fort Collins, Colorado. We are joining God's mission, transforming all things, and you're invited. To learn more about us and how you can connect, please visit votr.church. Good morning, everybody. My name is Bristow, and I'm one of the pastors here at Vineyard of the Rockies. Uh, I just want to extend to each one of you just a real warm welcome on this cold, snowy, kind of snowy day. Uh, uh, live streamers, welcome. A uh, lot of travelers, uh, maybe you were traveling this weekend, but you're back. We're so glad that you're back. And uh, some of you may be visiting this morning, so glad that you're here with us. You may be traveling later, but, but welcome. Welcome, everyone. You know, these days, it seems like uh, you, it seems like Everything has a warning label on it. You know what I mean? Planters peanuts. Warning, may contain peanuts. <laughs> NyQuil sleep aid. Warning, may cause drowsiness. <laughs> this is my favorite. You can buy this power drill, at, like the one you, you can get at Home Depot. Warning, not intended for use as a dentist drill. <laughs> yeah, I'm telling you, yeah, you, you know, you just can't be too careful. Riz, could you uh, get this stuff out of here? No. Uh, thank you. And you know, we have so many warnings uh, that that there's a there's a there's a risk of just ignoring all of them. But but not all warnings should be ignored. Jesus gave warnings, and in fact, the text this morning is kind of a warning uh, story. Um, really, this is the thing. Jesus loves us, and he wants us to become wise people. And he wants us to, to live a good life. Uh, the, 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 the Bible calls that blessed. The writer of Proverbs says, blessed are those who find wisdom, those who gain understanding. For she is prof more profitable than silver and yields better returns than gold. So our question is, A, what exactly is wisdom anyway? And, and the other one is, what would it look like in our lives if we actually became a wise person? What would that look like? Eugene Peterson, the guy that translated the message, has a great definition of wisdom. He says, wisdom is not primarily about knowing the truth, although it certainly includes that, but it is skill in living. So, so wisdom equals skill in living. That's good. That's, what, that's God's will for us, to become good at, at, at living. Today's sermon is titled, uh, Fireplace of Wisdom. This is the last sermon in our series, Fireplaces. Let's pray. Lord, we pray that we would become wise people people who are skilled at living. And we pray that we would not get distracted, Lord, and miss the very reason that we exist. Lord, please teach us to become wise people. Cause us this morning to sit in front of the fireplace of wisdom this morning, your word, and, and Lord, that we would listen to you this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. 
Okay, so, so the, the, the story that we're listening to and reading this morning is from Matthew 25, verses 1 through 13. Um, it's the parable of the, the ten virgins. At that time, the kingdom of heaven will be like ten virgins who took their lamps and went out to meet the bridegroom. Five of them were foolish, and five were wise. The foolish ones took their lamps and did not take any oil with them. The wise, however, took oil in jars along with their lamps. The bridegroom was a long time in coming, and they all became drowsy and fell asleep. At midnight, the cry rang out, Here's the bridegroom! Come out to meet him! Then all the virgins woke up and trimmed their lamps. The foolish ones said to the wise, Give us some of your oil. Our lamps are going out. No, they replied. There may not be enough for both, of, both uh, us and you. Instead, go to those who sell oil and buy some for yourselves. But while they were on their way to buy the oil, the bridegroom arrived. The virgins who were ready went in with him to the wedding banquet, and the door was shut. Later, the others came. Sir, sir, they said, open the door for us. But he replied, I tell you the truth. I don't know you. Therefore, keep watch because you do not know the day or the hour. So uh, to, to, to get our heads around uh, this story and this whole scene and, and maybe more importantly, to get our heads around what God wants to teach us this morning. Um, uh, I want us to exercise our imagination and, and imagine in our, in our mind's eye um, this whole scene, this whole Middle Eastern village scene and this whole Middle Eastern wedding scene. And, and to help us do this, I want to describe this scene a little bit in my own words. And, and um, uh, my observations of the text come from two, two places primarily. The first is from this book by Kenneth Bailey. I'd suggest it to you. Jesus through, the, through Middle Eastern eyes. This theologian lived in the Middle East for 60 years and wrote his theology from there. So many insights, including our translation of the Bible. Uh, the, the other thing that um, um, I'm, I'm leaning on a little bit is my own experience of living in the Middle East for 11 years I've been to many Middle Eastern villages and, and many, many, many Middle Eastern weddings. And so um, I want us to imagine together this, this scene. Imagine a Middle Eastern village like Jesus' hometown of Nazareth. It's summertime. It's another hot and cloudless evening-turning Tonight, the air is dry and clear and clean. And, and because of that, the moonlight and the starlight make it so the, the villagers can kind of see pretty clearly even at night. Uh, the lavish preparations for the wedding feast are well underway and they take place at the bridegroom's house. 
Large slabs of lamb and, and beef grill on the, in the fire pit that's below ground and the rich aroma of the meat fills the courtyard of his house and wafts into his house and out into the neighborhood, drawing, um, drawing villagers to his house. Women in long skirts wrap stuffed grape leaves with rice and maybe a little bit of lamb and, and spices. Other women are chopping parsley and tomatoes and cucumbers and 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 um, uh, um, mint, nana in Arabic, and basil. Large terracotta vases full of wine are being carted into the the courtyard, and and the courtyard is beginning to fill up with people because that's what happens in Middle Eastern wedding banquets, and the house is beginning. To, to fill up as well. In fact, people are spilling out the front door into the street of the, of, of the, the, the fired clay dwelling, which is the bridegroom's house. And you can feel the good Middle Eastern energy of the gathered community as really the whole village comes together. And it's just a tight social fabric. Everybody knows everybody because they grew up together. And everybody knows everybody's children. And everybody is into everybody else's business, or they think they are. And, and they're in this ga gathered a faith community. It's just full and rich and connected and passionate. And that's what it feels like in our text. Um, so among this crowd and, uh, of, of invited guests are the ten virgins or unmarried women or girls. Many translations say girls. These, see, in the Middle East, you get engaged when you're 12 or 13, get married when you're 15, 16. So these, these are girls who, are, who know each other, and they're hanging out. They're part of the crowd, right? And they're, they're outside. They have their, their lamps. I'll talk about that in a minute. But what are they doing? What, what, tell me, what is the crowd doing? What are the girls doing? Well, they're waiting, why are they waiting? What are they waiting for? Well, they're waiting. They're waiting for the party to begin. They're waiting for the party to begin. Nothing's happened yet. There's that energy. There's that, 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 that kind of buzz. But the party hasn't started yet. The bridegroom hasn't come. Nothing can happen until the bridegroom comes. And the bridegroom, who is gone probably across town or maybe to another village with his groomsmen to get the bride and bring her back, that's, that's what they're waiting for. So Jesus is telling our story. You know why? This is our story. You know why? Because we, all of us, every one of us in this room, if we know Jesus, and on the live stream as well, are invited guests to the messianic banquet that, 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 that we look forward to. That's our Christian hope. And throughout Scripture, it talks about uh, great feasts, right? In the Old Testament, all the feasts. And then Jesus is always going to a feast. That's because that's what heaven's going to be like. That's, it's the great feast. It's the festivity that's the point. And, and that's, that's what it will be. But it's, it, we're not there yet. See, we are the invited guests. 
And the bridegroom is Jesus. King Jesus. Jesus, the, the Messiah. Uh, but this, this story, it's not about the banquet. It's about the preparation time. Sometimes we forget what time it is in our lives. And you know what? You know what we're doing in our lives? I mean, all of us, the, in, a, in a macro view, you know what we're doing? Preparing. You know, we're doing all this stuff, right? It's, we, we have church and we're doing all this ministry and we're doing Convoy of Hope stuff and all that. But you know what we're really doing? We're waiting. This isn't, this isn't the party. We're waiting. And you know what? Sometimes in our American culture, we put an awful lot, and the world does this, of pressure on ourselves to live our best life, right? It's all about us living our best life. But, but first of all, it's not about us. It's about him. And the second thing is, this isn't going to be, even, even, even if we're like whoever your hero would be, you know, living our best life, this isn't going to be our best life. At the party, that's what I'm talking about. That's our best life. But we're not there yet. We're in the preparation time. So if you're struggling a little bit in the, in the holidays, which I do sometimes, I miss, I miss those who have gone before me to heaven. I, I, sometimes it's hard. That's okay. This isn't the party. And I want to tell you something. The, when the party's about to happen, you're going to know it. The Apostle John said, the Son of Man is upon the clouds and everyone will see it. That means that when the king of kings is about to come again, when the one through whom and for whom all things were created comes, descends to the new earth. And not only that, but the new Jerusalem, which is all of those who have gone before us and are resting in peace in heaven, descend to the new earth. And we have our resurrection bodies and we feel good again, right? And, and we are face to face. With, with the king himself. He dwells in our midst and we dwell in his midst. And there's no more death or mourning or crying or pain for the old order of things has passed away. And then the king tells us, declares to us, proclaims to us, I have made all things new. That's when the party begins. And that's our Christian hope. And we get stuck trying to make heaven out of our preparation time. But then it's party time. And all of that energy that, that, that you know, is described in scripture as a, as a wedding party, it's more than that. We can't even imagine. But that's not, that's not where we're at. Not yet. Back to the story. So... so What's going on again? So there's these girls, and they're what? They've, they're outside. Yeah, they, 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 there's so many people. That's a Middle Eastern wedding, right? And because they're outside, they have these little lamps. And I wish I could pass it around, but I, I won't. But, um, <laughs> but, but uh, Women and girls had these lamps and they're outside. And these, you, you look, at, look at how small it is. Notice how small it is? This is, this we bought in, in, uh, in Nazareth. We bought this in Nazareth. All the archaeological digs unearth 
these lamps. Some translations say torches. That's not what they had. They had a lamp and it was this small. And in an honor-shame culture, there's no way that a Middle Eastern father would allow their, their, their girl or their wife to go outside without a lamp. And this is why. And why this is so small. Lamps weren't primarily so that they could see in the dark. Like I said, they could kind of see anyway. They do emit a little bit of light, but, but primarily these were to protect their reputation. Even today, Middle Eastern women, they're, they're, not, they're not holding the lamp down like a flashlight so they can see where they're going. They can kind of see where they're going. They hold them right here under their chin. And what the light does is it illumines their face. So all the villagers that are outside, because that's where they hang out, it's too hot in the house, so they're all outside, they can see who that girl is. Oh, they may not know her name, but they know who her daddy is. And, and if there's any harassment, they, they, they got it all. So, so it, it illumines their identity. It illumines who they belong to. And, and from that data, they can figure out, you know, where they're, where they're going. It enables the girl to walk in the light even though she's surrounded by darkness. And that's true for us as well. When the fire, the personal fire of our life is burning bright, it tells us and those around us our identity, who we really are, and also who we belong to. And, and, and even our destiny. There's that great verse in Isaiah that says, I have called you by name and you are mine. When, when our fire is burning bright and that's embedded in us, we can do anything. We're unstoppable when we know our identity and we know whose we are. So the, the point of this story is that all of us have been invited. The tragedy is that this story says that some of us will get distracted while we're waiting and miss the party and miss the Messiah. And, 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 and that's some of the tension in life for me. It's, my biggest, my biggest enemy is distraction. And, and this is telling me how to be a wise person. And it's telling you how to be a wise person. Wise people keep their fires burning. Foolish people don't. Wise people get into the party. Foolish people miss the party. Wise people Spend eternity with the king of kings. And foolish people don't. So our question this morning is, how can I be a wise person? There's probably a lot of ways, but, but I'm going to point out three ways, and they all start with the letter S, so we can remember them, S. The first way that we can become a wise people and not miss it, miss the whole point of our existence, is, is safeguard your fire. 
safeguard your fire. Prioritize your personal fire. This is the deal. We're no good to anyone if we let our fire dim or go out. We're just not. And I want to I wanna speak specifically to dads. If you're, a, if, you, if you're a dad, you have little kids or you have grown children or you're a stepdad or you're a granddad, when your fire goes out, you affect the whole family because a family isn't like an electrical circuit. And when the, the, one of the parents, especially the dad, breaks the circuit, the electricity stops, doesn't it? I've got five friends who, whose, whose, whose fire burned bright at one point. They were all in full-time ministry. And I was counting up how many kids they had because they're in five different families, right? There were 16 of them. And I know these kids. I know, them, I know them pretty well. My kids are still friends with them. And two of the 16 are still walking with Jesus. And their lights, are the two that are, pretty dim. They're hanging on by a thread. And I just want to say, guys, we need to cowboy up. Women, we need to cowgirl up and take responsibility for our own personal fire. It's up to us. Yeah, we've got the church. Yeah, we've got all these programs. That's all good. But we've got to take, to take responsibility because there's a lot that rests on whether or not our fire is burning bright. We prioritize our personal fire when we go to God for what we need. And we have legit needs. We have legit needs for peace and joy. And, and, and yet... And yet what we do, our default, is we go to sources other than God to get what only God can give. I'll say that again. We go to sources other than God to get what only God can give. That's Pastor Tim Keller's definition of idolatry. And, and, and so, you know, we lack peace. Well, stop drinking so much. Go to God for what you need. That's, that's, he's the source of all things. Go to God for what you need. That's the way that we prioritize our personal fire. That's the way that we safeguard our fire. That's the first S. Safeguard your fire. Second S. Share your fire. It's just amazing how encouraging it is when you get to share your fire with somebody. It's just, you know, there's just so many stories here in the congregation of people. That, and it's, it, it makes your fire burn brighter, doesn't it? And this is the truth. God has already positioned us in a network of relationships. He's already positioned us in a network of relationships at our, uh, 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 in our neighborhood, in our work, in our school if you're a student, in our church. And, and, and those are the people that we share our fire with. We don't have to like knock on doors on Wednesday nights with the church group and, you know, to share our fire. We already have been positioned with, with, with um, those people. So, so I just want to ask you, what's uh, a relationship in one of those contexts where you felt, you know what, there's a kind of a connection happening. You know what, that's probably God. You just got a new job, 
That's probably God. I wonder what he wants to do. We need to see what he's doing. We need to see what's happening in those relationships. And then we need to join him in it. That's, that's the equation. See what God's doing. Join him in it. Our, our, our church, not motto, mission statement. <laughs> mission statement is on the wall, right? Joining God's mission. What is it? Transforming all things. Exactly. So what we do as a church is we try to find ministries that are doing that. So we saw, hey, you know what? God seems to be on Alpha, the Alpha course all over the world. Let's do that. So we, we did. We finished like a week ago. Three people gave their lives to Christ. It, everyone found God. It was good, you know? Convoy of hope. Same thing. God is on convoy of hope. We need to do that. So, you know, we, we just raised a whole bunch of money in one day, and we are doing things in Zimbabwe through a ministry that God's on. That's one way. That's why we share our fire with, with, uh, with the world. Last S is start your fire. Somebody to start their fire Again, you're like the Ephesians, you know. They were, it was a great church. And they persevered, it says in Revelation. They served. But God had one thing against them, and that was this, that they lost the love they had at first. They lost their first love. Their fire went out. They were still doing all the stuff, right? Wouldn't you think they'd stop? But no, that's not what we do. We just keep going on. We're like dogs that just keep <laughs> just keeping on the trail, which isn't a terribly bad thing. But without our fire, without lo our love for him, what are we doing? So, so some of us are like that, and you need to get that start, uh, fire started again. And I'm going to give you an opportunity in our response time to, to raise your hand if that's you. Because... We're in the world, but not of it. And, and it's hard. The second group is they need, you need to start your fire for the first time. You know, you've been around church, and, uh, and you're here this morning. And, and you know, your relationship with God is really not making any kind of difference at all. It's like it's not even there. And this is why. You've never had a time when you pushed all the chips into the center of the table. You know, you've always kept some back, right? That's what we do. We want to control stuff. We want to control this, the scenario, right? But, but this might be the day when you push all your chips into the center and you go, you know what? I don't know. I don't know where this is going to end up, but I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to raise my hand today. This is my day. That might be you. So... Um, We'll have that in our response time. But right now, I want us to um, kind of get comfortable and, and get ready for our, our response time. And there's one thing that God's saying to us, and I want that to be what, what, what you're talking to God about. So I'll be back in... in uh, I said response or reflection time. Reflect on that one thing that God's saying, and I'll be back up in, in just a minute.